you have found the podcast of Tressler Mennonite Church. Each week, we replay the sermon from our Sunday morning service so that anyone who may have missed the sermon can catch it later. We want to especially thank those of you who missed the sermon because you were working with our youngest children during the service time. This sermon was from May 29, 2022. This was the last sermon in our series on Philippians, covering the last part of the last chapter, Philippians 4, 14 through 23. I, uh, as I begin to um, prepare for this sermon, I had a question come to mind. Why, why did we break the sermon, the messages where we did? Um, and I'm not sure if I ever did figure that out. Um, sometimes, you know, you have those memories of, uh, you think you know what happened, but maybe it didn't quite happen that way but you kind of wish it did because it fits what you're thinking kind of thing. So I'm not sure if that's what happened or not. Um, Today's passage really goes along well with what Jeremy preached last week, um, and it's kind of a continuation of that. But I think, and part of the reason I probably don't remember is because my two Sundays had already been taken care of in this quarter, and I might have zoned out a little bit. And this was going to be on Jeremy and Joel, but I guess joke's on me, here I am, but maybe joke's on you because I think what we said then was that we were going to hit this passage real quick, but then we were going to re-preach the whole book of Philippians because, after all, it is one letter and should be read at one time. So, um, so I don't know. We'll see. Does, does that ring a bell, Jeremy? I know we've talked about that with other letters. can't remember if that's what we talked about with this one, but it works for me. So, now, I promise I'm not going to re-preach the whole... Uh, I've already been asked if this is a long sermon, and I think I said no. I said, no, I think it isn't, so maybe that's how we should say it. Um, But as we wrap up our study today uh, of Paul's letter to the Philippian church, my goal is to go through these remaining verses uh, in chapter 4 and then give a broad overview of the entire letter now that we've worked through it and, um, and just bring out some of Paul's main points so that we can... Um, help us understand them a little bit better now as we look back. We kind of do that at the beginning of a letter, and but uh, we find it helpful, uh, I know I have, in studying this out, to look at uh, the whole as we remember back on those sermons that we've already heard. So in today's passage, Paul is closing out his letter to the Philippian church, and he's thanking them for sending him a gift uh, to help with his needs while he was there in Rome in prison. And in t- verses 10 to 13... Um, that Jeremy shared with us last week, Paul thanks the church uh, for caring for his needs and for having always been concerned with him and helping him even though he may not have really needed help because he had always found his contentment in doing Christ's work, whether he had a little or whether he had a lot. Uh, And as Jeremy mentioned last week, in in these last few sections of the letter, uh, Paul talks a lot about contentment. Uh, we've mentioned it, uh, being at peace and being content uh, quite a bit in the last couple chapters, actually. Um, so in order for Paul to accept their gift and truly be thankful and appreciative, he had to be content in his situation and in his circumstances. Otherwise, he would have only wanted more. Jeremy brought that out last week. 
And he mentioned how contentment and generosity go hand in hand. Um, and I appreciated what he had to say about that. It, it, it made sense to me. So I bring this up again just to help us see the context for today and, uh, and to jog our memories a little bit of what Jeremy talked about last week. And I know uh, my section was from, from 14 to uh, 23, but I'm going to jump back into verse 13 here and include that as well just because it was kind of in the middle of a thought. So let's read through it. And I'll make a few points and then we'll go back and, and hit some of the rest of the, of the letter. Paul says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to re receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all that I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs. From his glorious riches, which have now been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father, forever and ever. Amen. So Paul thanks them, and he wants them to know that he appreciates their care for him over the years. Not just with the gift that they had sent to him in prison, but even during his missionary journeys as well. If you remember back to our study in Acts, Paul had planted this church in Philippi during his second missionary journey. Uh, if you remember, he was run out of town after healing the demon-possessed slave girl, which, was, had, which made her master upset uh, because he had used her power to make lots of money, and he incited a riot. Paul and Silas were thrown in jail. Uh, they were beaten, and then the next day when the, they come to let him loose, even though God had already provided that um, with the earthquake in the night, we know the, the story of the that and the Philippian jailer and his household was saved. That's the beginning of this church. But he was run out of town um, because of what had happened there. And um, so they had, even after that, and in his short time there with him in the, in the town of Philippi as he planted this church, they had still uh, sent him financial help uh, and support to, to help him with his uh, journey and with his ministry. So he appreciates that they have partnered with him uh, in spreading the gospel, the good news of salvation, and it's evident, and he is confident, that because of their generosity and God's goodness, that Jesus would continue to meet their needs as well. And he closes out the letter with some personal greetings in verses 21 to 23. He says, Give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you their greetings. And all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul doesn't give any specific names here, but it is interesting that he mentions those of Caesar's household. His imprisonment had resulted in either some of Caesar's, who is the ruler of the Roman Empire, um, either some of his family or at least some of his court, some of his officials, because of Paul's imprisonment, had heard and believed the good news of Jesus. 
Uh, so even those people are greeting from Rome, are greeting the brothers and sisters uh, in Christ back in Philippi. That's, that's an amazing thing. That's, that's, we don't have many details about that. But for him to include that in there um, is something pretty amazing. So really, if you want to hear more about this section, I would say go back and listen to Jeremy's uh, sermon. Um, but that's kind of what today's passage tells us. Um, so I'd just like to go back and, and highlight a few things uh, from the letter as we close it out. The first point that I want to make occurred to me as I was reading and rereading the letter um, looking for how it flowed and, and what Paul's main points were. And it's actually what he did not say that kind of grabbed my attention. In all of Paul's letters to this point, he begins them with teaching about who God is, uh, what Christ has accomplished on the cross, who we are in relationship to God, uh, and so on. He begins by teaching truth, doctrine, theology. We brought this, We bring this up quite a bit. Um, but then he follows it with a therefore or a so then and goes into how the church uh, needed to apply that truth that he had just taught, how that looks in our lives. And it's usually pretty evident uh, that the church needed help in this area, in these areas. As we looked at, the F, uh, at Ephesians, the Ephesian church needed to remember what Christ had done with, for them and uniting them as sinners to himself and now... Uh, and as sinners to himself, and now that both Jew and Gentile were both part of God's family, they needed to get along like a family. We talked about that a lot in, in Ephesians, and Paul brought it up again and again. Remember where you were. Remember that you were separated from God. Now you're made alive with him. You're dead. But you're not only alive with Christ, but you're alive together as both Jew and Gentile. And so then the end of the letter, he says, and this is how you get along. This is what it looks like as two groups are merged into one. Uh, the Corinthian church had all kinds of problems, and they needed multiple long letters full of both teaching and application. But I found that this letter was different. Um, there's obviously some teaching uh, and, some, uh, and some application, but it seems more like a gentle reminder than a stern warning that we've seen from Paul in the past. And it seems to me as though the Philippian church was a strong church uh, with more mature believers, maybe. Obviously, they weren't perfect. He encouraged the two ladies in chapter 4 to settle their dispute. I mean, he, he gave other teachings of things that they needed to do. They weren't perfect. Um, but Paul, in the first eight verses of this letter, says that they bring him joy because of who they are and how they have followed Christ. So, I mean... I remember one of the first times, not the first time reading Philippians, but a long time ago, soon after I graduated from college, looking at Philippians and saying, wow, this seemed to be Paul's favorite church. He really, he really liked these guys. He's, they were doing something right. Um, and that kind of struck me again as I was working on this. Some of the other churches seem to only give him heartburn and, and headaches, uh, especially as you read through Corinthians. Boy, they really... Uh, they just couldn't get it right. Um, so with that in mind, what does Paul teach a mature church? What do they need to hear? And I think that we find this in the heart uh, of his letter in chapter uh, 1, verses 9 to 11, where he says, 
I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. There's always room for more love for Christ. There's always more room for more knowledge of him and a better understanding. And Paul prays that this mature church will continue to grow in these three things. I think my next slide says, yeah. So we're growing in love, we're growing in knowledge, and we're growing in understanding. He says that the result of this, when we grow in these three areas, then we better understand what really matters. We live pure and blameless lives, and we will be filled with the fruit of our salvation, a life filled with righteous character produced by Christ for God's glory. So again, we're, when our love grows, our knowledge grows, our understanding grows, as a result of that, we better understand what really matters, so we do things in a different way. We live pure and blameless lives, so again, our lives change. And we'll be filled with the fruit of our salvation, what it is that Christ has saved us for. It's, it's Something is produced in us when we love, when we, we gain knowledge, and when we understand. And as I look at the lives of Paul, of David, of Abraham, Noah, of Job, and many other men and women in the Bible, they knew God. They understood his character. They understood how great he is, how powerful, how righteous, how gracious, how merciful. And as a result, their lives looked very different. Many of them were still in difficult circumstances. Obviously, Paul is in a difficult circumstance right here. But they were able to be content. They were able to worship. They were able to do great things for God because they learned about him. They began to understand just how great he is. And they loved him and accepted his invitation to have a relationship with him. I want that for myself. I want that for my family. I want that for us as a church. My goal in all of my sermons, in my Wednesday evening devotions, in my Sunday school lessons, is that my words will point to the perfect, wonderful God that we have the privilege of calling as our Father. And I'm beginning to realize that what I believe and what I know about God immensely affects my love for Him, and it affects my actions. It has to be our foundation. It has to be our starting point. And I think, Lenford, what you shared this morning fit that perfectly well. So Paul encourages them and us to grow in our love and our knowledge and in our understanding. And when we do, we become more like Jesus. And in the rest of chapter 1, he shows that because of his faith in God and in his relationship with them, that he is content in either life or death. He desired to follow God's plan for his life no matter where it took him, whether it was freedom, whether it was imprisonment, or whether it was execution. He surrendered everything to Jesus because he knew that God's wisdom and his love was way above his own, and he allowed God to use him in whichever way he wanted. He surrendered that to him. 
Chapter 2 is also a, a, a main point. Paul brings out a main point. And he says that if your salvation is real, and he knew that it was, he said, then do these things. And he gives them a list of things that I believe that even the most mature believers struggle with. He says, if your love, if your love is real, if your belief is real, if your faith is real, then agree wholeheartedly with each other loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. These are Christ-like attributes that a mature Christian should portray. He says, be like Christ who left his position in heaven that was rightfully his and gave it up to come and die in our place and pay our debt of sin so that we could be considered righteous. And then he gave a, a list of a few more things that are Christ, that Christ-like character produces. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can, can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright stars in a light, in a world full of cro crooked and perverse people. Trust me, in our me-centered world, where our rights are the only one, where our rights are the only ones that matter, when we are more like Christ, others will notice. So I challenge each of us to think back over the last 24 hours and ask the Holy Spirit to help us see in what ways have we complained, in what ways have we argued or had negative attitudes. And also think too about how. Other people complaining and arguing when you see that happen affects your attitude about them. When you see somebody moaning and groaning all the time, you, it's, it's not a very good light that you see them in, right? So if I'm always moaning and groaning and arguing and, and belly aching and all that stuff, then people probably are not seeing me in a very good light. And I think when we stop and do that, and Paul says, if your salvation is real, if you truly believe that Jesus is God and that he died for you and saved you, then maybe you should stop arguing and moaning and groaning all the time and thinking only about yourself. I know we, I don't know, it's been four or five years ago now, we started going to Sandy Cove to their family camp and this was their theme one year. And boy, it really impacted me and made me think. Um, I mean, we'll go onto the job site a lot of times and something won't be ready and, and I've got my goals set for the day and I'll get aggravated with, when something isn't quite... A supervisor told us something was ready and it wasn't ready and then that changes up my whole week. And I have a tendency to start moaning and groaning. And, and I work with a lot of people, other not guys that work with me, but, but other trades. Uh, not Charlie and Alvin anymore either. <laughs> but they probably know a few of the people that I have in mind. <laughs> but boy, they, everything is just negative, negative, negative. And oh, poor me. And if so and so, and, and they just complain. All they do is complain about their coworkers and so on. But Paul's saying a mature Christian isn't going to moan and groan and, and only worry about themselves all the time. And when they do that, then people will notice that and something will be different. And it's just, it's like a bright light uh, shining for Jesus. And um, so 
is that what he's calling us to as well? I believe it is as we grow in him, as we love him more, as we know him more, and as we understand uh, who he is. Another characteristic of a Christ follower that is growing in their love and knowledge and understanding of God is that they realize their own abilities, their own accomplishments, their status and performance pale in comparison to the work that Christ has done in them. Paul had plenty of things to be proud of in and of himself. Uh, he mentioned them before his conversion he, and, and after his conversion as well. But he considered them all rubbish, good only to be thrown out on the manure pile in comparison to the Christ's redemptive work in his heart and in his life. So again, the more we know about Christ, the more we understand about who God is, we realize that our own abilities mean absolutely nothing. It's what Christ does in me that makes the difference, not who I am and what I've done uh, on my own. It's, it's what he has done in me that gives me worth and makes uh, and brings him glory. And then the last point that kind of stuck out to me, <clears throat> as we've looked at over the last couple of weeks, Paul talks a lot about contentment and peace of mind. And as we grow in our love, our knowledge and understanding, he shows us that God is our source of peace and contentment. We as humans look at a lot of different places to find our happiness. We know that, we realize that. And again, even mature Christians struggle in this area. If only we had a little more. If only I could control the situation a little bit better. Paul tells us when we focus on who God is and what he has done, instead of the things that are around us, instead of, instead of the glitter and gold of this world, instead of the things that we have absolutely no control of, over, then his peace will guard our hearts and minds. God is the source of our contentment and peace. And we will find it nowhere else. As I began writing this sermon, I turned on a song that uh, Kyla had shared with me about a month or so ago. Um, I felt like I just needed to stop and, and, and get my mind right because um, it, things just didn't seem to be uh, working out too well. And I didn't remember all the words or anything. I just kind of remembered um, that I really liked it. And, and as I listened to it, I sat there, I have a tendency to listen to things over and over and over again, as I think as I mentioned in my last sermon. Um, as I sat there listening to it, and I, and I was thinking, I had been reading through Philippians and stuff, and was thinking about Paul's point of growing in our love and in our knowledge and understanding of God, and how that then changes our thoughts, our actions, um, and we begin to look more like Christ, <clears throat> I realized that this song fit uh, perfectly with what Paul was saying. So in closing, I want to read uh, these lyrics to you. And as I read them, pay attention. I'm going to put them up on the screen as well. Pay attention to the progression that the writer takes. He makes a statement, he or she, I don't, I'm not really sure who wrote it. Um, they make a statement about something that they realize about God. And then they make a statement about how that reflects their life. I think in each verse, there's three, three of those separate statements. And then in the chorus, they surrender their, their control, that control to God. So again, just kind of 
see if you can see that that progression as we read through it. Uh, the song is Benediction uh, by For King and Country. And it says, If you can hold the universe, then you can hold me too. If you can form the human heart, then you can mend it too. If you could love your enemies, I'll love them as myself. And if you gave your life for us, then I'll give mine as well. With all my mind, with all my strength, I want to be just like you. In all my days, in all my ways, <clears throat> I want to be just like you. If you could see the sparrow, then you can see me too. If you could save a sinner's soul, then you can heal me too. If you are, if you are close to those who mourn, I know you're here with me, and so I say your will be done for all eternity. With all my mind, with all my strength, I want to be just like you. In all my days and all my ways, I want to be just like you. I want to be just like you. In closing, let's pray along with Paul. There we go. Along with Paul, from chapter 1, verse 9 again. Make this your prayer. Let's pray this for our church as we read it together. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. You've been listening to the Tressler Mennonite Sermon from May 29th, 2022. The passage was Philippians 4, 14-23. Take care.